Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin wassalatu wassalamu ala asyrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd. Fa'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ya bani adama kad anzalna alaykum libasan yuwari sawatikum marisha. Wa libasu taqwa dhalika khair. ذلك من آيات الله لعلهم يذكرون صدق الله العليم العظيم. My dear respected most honourable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. First of all, we, as per usual, humbly begin by thanking Allah سبحانه وتعالى by glorying. And praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this wonderful and unique opportunity to congregate in his house uh, on the best of days on Yom Jum'ah to worship him, to glorify him and to send salutations upon his messenger, messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. And we pray that Allah azza wa jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future insha'Allah. The, the topic of discussion today or the topic that I have chosen to talk about today is one that uh, we often talk about, especially during the summer months when uh, the heat is, uh, is intense. Uh, and, and as Muslims, there are certain codes and principles by which we have to live our lives. And a lot of the times we... Uh, create this libas of Islam upon us, this clothing of Islam upon us. And often it does not attract or it does not beautify our inner self. And this is something that I wanted to talk about. You know, people talk about modesty in the summer. You know, modesty, remain modest, wear clothes that are, you know, uh, covering your bodies. Don't... Uh, don't, don't lower your gaze Don't look upon people With lust Don't look at people uh, With desire in your heart Lower your gaze now, All of these kind of things When it comes to the physical aspect of it Of actually covering your bodies Covering your aura Ensuring that you're wearing loose fitting clothing so, so on and so forth These are things that we often talk about These are things that we Bring to the fore but the inner modesty of being humble, being shy, those characteristics that the Prophet ﷺ ennobled, those characteristics that the Prophet ﷺ loved, not only in himself, but in his companions too, they're often ones that are forgotten. We're encouraged to be loud. We're encouraged nowadays to be brash. To show uh, who we are, how we are, what we do. Every single aspect of our being is... And, and you know what, I was talking to... And this was an exam question that we gave to our madrasa students. We spoke about... Um, there was, a, there was a, uh, an aspect of Tawheed and Shirk within the exams. And I asked a question that defined Tawheed and defined Shirk and the different types of Shirk. And, and the children had to write down that there are two types of shirk, right? One is the major shirk, which is 
to associate a partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the worst form uh, of, of any sin. That's the worst crime to associate a partner with Allah. That's shirk. But there's a lower form of shirk, a minor form of shirk, which is to consider yourself better than somebody else. That minor form of shirk that makes you, that gives you that ego, because this is essentially what shaitan was excommunicated from Jannah for. This is essentially what shaitan became shaitan because of this, this, this misdeed. He was somebody who, who had attained a status, being a jinn, he had attained a status among the angels. He was a worshipper, he was an abid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yet, when he was ordered to prostrate to Adam alayhi salatu wasalam when he was created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he refused to do, to do so. Abba wastakbar wa kana min al He refused wastakbar. And he had pride, he had arrogance. It was his ego that did not allow him to prostrate. You created me from fire, you created him from clay. Fire trumps clay. Why would I, being who I am, this great individual, lower myself to something that I don't consider worthy? I'll, I'll, he, he didn't refuse to, to do sajda to Allah. That's how he attained his status. He was making sajda to Allah. But what destroyed him? It was that ego. And this is where essentially, essentially this is where inner modesty comes in. Whereas we try to focus a lot on the apparent or the apparel. We forget about the internal. We forget about the inner side of things. We forget how we must behave. You see, I can wear this libas of, of, of modesty. I can wear a libas. I can keep a beard. I can make myself look as if I'm a seemingly a good Muslim. But internally, I could have even changed my religion now. I could be someone who doesn't uh, believe in Allah. I could be someone who, who, who cheats and who murders and who, who robs people. I could be a criminal for all of you know internally. I could be the worst of, pe of people. On the other hand, on the other hand, it's possible that my apparel or my apparent may not reflect my internal state. I may be somewhat disheveled, apparently, but internally, I may have created myself a status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I may have, have, have reached a status where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or a state where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with me for my actions. And we see this example throughout history. During the Ottoman uh, uh, and an amazing uh, example comes to mind that during the Ottoman um, Empire, there was a man in, in, in a particular village uh, who, who was seemingly quite noble. And he was a noble individual. He would pray regularly. He looked noble. He acted nobly and honorably. And this individual would, uh, would go to, at night, and he would visit, uh, uh, he would go to, and knock on the doors of, of, of the women who would sell themselves at night. 
the prostitutes, he would go and knock on their doors. And uh, he, would, he would give them money. And then he would go to the bars where they sell alcohol. And he would buy all of the alcohol and he would take it away. And now people started to look down upon this individual, naturally. They said, look at him. He's going to, he's purchasing all of the alcohol in the village, all of the alcohol in the, the city or the town, wherever in which they resided. And he's going and he's, he's spending his time with, with, with the women of the night, right? Cursed be this man. And they began to curse him. They began to, to, uh, uh, to denigrate him. And what in, in actual fact he was doing is, he would earn money throughout the day. And then he would take that money and he would go to, to, to those women of the night. And he would give them money and say, listen, let, let me give you the money. If I give you this money, would you keep your door closed the, in the entire night? And they would say, yes, I would need, to, I would need the money. If you, would gi if you give it to me, I'll keep my door closed the entire night. Why would I want to sell my body for this? So he would go and give them money and tell them to keep their doors closed the entire night. Then he would go into the places where they sell alcohol and he would say to them, let me buy all of your alcohol from you. So he would buy all of the alcohol and then he would spill it in the rivers just so that somebody else may not drink it and be harmed from it or buy it. Now he began, that was his noble intention and he was doing a noble deed. But seemingly the people, they would see an individual who visits the women of the night and goes and buys alcohol and they began to curse him and say, what's wrong with you old man? Right? How dare you do something like this? Have you no shame? Have you no haya? No modesty? So that was apparently what they saw from him. But what was the actual truth was something else. And then he would go home at night and his wife would say to him, subhanAllah, she would say to him, she was a noble woman. And she would say to him, that what's going to happen to you right now? You're alive. But what's going to happen when you die? People will not lift your body. People will not give you a, their shoulder. People will not pray over you. They, they will not do your janazah. They will not bury you. And what will I do on that day when I'm on my own? How will I be able to make all of those arrangements? And he would smile and he would say to her, Don't worry, rest assured, the Sultan is going to come and he is going to perform my janazah. The Sultan, Amir al-Mu'mineen of the time. And she would smile back at him. And one day, that's what happened. He was in uh, the, 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 the marketplace and he passed away. And he collapsed on the floor and he passed away. And for, for a day or two days, his body lay there in the marketplace. Nobody took it to give, it, to, to give him his, 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 uh, uh, his washing, his ghusl. Or to place a shroud over him and then to pray over him and bury him. Nobody thought to do that. They just saw in him a dirty old man. That's who they saw in this individual. And one day it's reported that the Sultan, who would disguise himself and walk into the marketplaces, he's, he, he was disguised and he had his Amir with him. And he was walking through the marketplace and he saw this body decomposing in the middle of the marketplace. And he said, who is this man? 
And he was told that this is a man, an old man who would visit the women of the night. And he would go and buy all of the alcohol in the town. And he said, why haven't you taken him? Why haven't you brought, shrouded him? And said, the reason why they haven't shrouded him is because they didn't want to. He wasn't worthy of being buried among their buried people. He wasn't worthy of being washed by them. And then he went, he saw this, this, this woman who was standing over him, <clears throat> kneeling down. And she was whispering. So the Sultan, he went close to listen to what the women, woman was saying. And this woman was saying, you're a noble man, the son of a noble man. And you lived your life honorably. So he said to this woman, here's everybody else who's saying one thing, that this was a dishonorable person. And here you are saying, saying to him that you're a noble man, an honorable man who lived your life honorably. I don't see, what's the correlation here? There's a contradiction. What's going on? What's true about this person? And then she told him, she said, look, I don't blame them for what they saw was something dishonorable. But in actual fact, this was the truth. This is what he would do. And the Sultan immediately ordered that this man, he, he revealed himself then as, to, as being the Sultan and not merely a stranger walking through the, through the marketplace. And he lifted him up and he, uh, he ordered that his body be, be washed and shrouded and the Sultan himself performed the janazah of this individual. So apparent, the reason why I tell you this is that sometimes we look at the, a person's apparel, you look at the, a person's uh, uh, apparent outer self and we judge them in accordance with that there was a man I remember our teacher telling us this, this story that there was a man who would, would uh, it was about regarding Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib he would teach um, and, pe uh, and a certain individual would come in and he would be dressed in all this finery just imagine if a person walks into the masjid and he's got the imamah on and he's dressed in, in, a, in a beautiful jubba and he's, he's got a beautiful beard and he walks in and he comes and sits down. For, I can guarantee you that, that your gaze will turn to that person. He looks seemingly like a big sheikh. He's dressed as one. And he comes and sits down. Your demeanor towards him will automatically change. On the other hand, if another person walks into the masjid and his his clothes are barely covering his aura. And the aura of a man is from the belly button to the knees. And it's important. That's why I wanted to discuss that as well. We see men uh, focusing on uh, the, the hijab of, of, of women, but forgetting their own hijab, their own covering. Right? We can't walk around topless. We, we, we still have to maintain our own honor and our own dignity too. So that's between the belly button up to, up to and including the knees. And if you saw someone who's barely covering his awrak, walks into the masjid, disheveled, looking disheveled, smelling uh, terrible, a foul odor coming from him, your demeanor towards that person will automatically be different to the person who you saw earlier. You're going to think, what a smelly man. Doesn't have a bath, doesn't have a wash, barely covering, look what he's wearing. He's walked into the masjid, dressed like that. Have some shame. And that's where we need to reflect upon ourselves. That's where we need to internalize this. 
and look at ourselves and say, what is it about us? What is it about us that would look differently upon these two individuals? Because our Prophet wasallam wasn't like that. If the Prophet wasallam in his company, the Amir of the Amirs, the, the Sultan of the Sultans came and, and, and came into his company, he would treat them in exactly the same way as a poor person or a slave would come into his company. He wouldn't treat them any differently. He would say, MashaAllah, a great person has come. Let's bring him all the food. Come here, let me entertain you. And then when a poor person comes and says, Oh, you, you wait to the side. I'll deal with you later. No. This was not who he was. And this is the individual that we seek to emulate. This is the person that we follow. So it's imperative that we do so in accordance with his character, not just with his appearance. People talk about the Sunnah dress code. This is the Sunnah dress code. The dress code of the Sunnah. What about the internal dress code of the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ? What about his character and his personality that was far more important than any physical dress code that you can imagine? The Prophet ﷺ didn't say, I have been sent to perfect good clothing for you, to perfect outer modesty for you. The Prophet ﷺ said, بُئِثُّ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ I have been sent to perfect good morals for you. I have been sent to perfect good character for you. And this is what we should be focusing on. Because you know what? When the internal is beautiful, the external will automatically reflect it. You see, when you're internally beautiful and you seek to beautify your inner self, automatically, externally, you will begin to reflect your inner self. So that will come, that will follow. But we have to give it its due attention, which means we have to break down our ego. We have to stop thinking that we're better than somebody else. Just because we may have more of something than somebody else. We have to stop riya. A, a, a form of minor shirk, riya, showing off. Performing a deed so that people will look to you and say, MashaAllah, what a great human being he is. What a great humanitarian he is giving so much in charity. Showing off. Showing off could mean that when we have, you know, I, I saw uh, some young brothers, right? And, uh, and there were children walking um, uh, yesterday. And I, I had just come, come, uh, come in uh, to the masjid and I was driving uh, in and I was parking around the back and I saw these young brothers in these flashy cars and they were just you know doing crazy speeds down down uh, Portswood Road and I thought to myself you know there's, there's young children here you know anything could happen people are walking you lose control of your car you hit into them you know it's it's going to be critical right not only for you but for others around you as well but this is also a form of of riyah, I was thinking, why would you do that? Why would you want to draw, you know, seeking to draw attention to oneself is a form of riyah, which then becomes a minor form of shirk, showing off. Because you know what the Prophet, the Prophet let me give you an example of one hadith of the Prophet. He said, مَنْ طَلَبَ الْعِلْمَ لِيُمَارِيَ بِهِ السُّفَحَاءِ 
أو ليباهي به العلماء أو ليصرف وجوه الناس إليه فهو في النار أكما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم and whoever seeks knowledge to uh, to debate to argue with the sufaha with the foolish أو ليباهي به العلماء or to debate with the ulama to debate with the scholars or to turn the attention of the people towards him you're doing something noble right seeking knowledge the prophet sallallahu said he who seeks knowledge is in the part he who goes out in search of knowledge he's in the path of allah until he returns angels spread their wings underneath the feet of the talibul ilm the seeker of knowledge and the prophet sallallahu alaihi is telling us that if you seek it for the wrong reasons to turn the attention of the people towards you look at me what a great scholar i am look at me what a great mufti i am look at me what a great sheikh i am oh what a noble indu it could be in any field look at me i'm far more intellectual than you i've got a degree i'm far more intellectual than you i've got a doctorate i studied in these colleges and those universities making yourself feel like you're better than somebody else and lowering others in your sight the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said fahuwa fil nar and that's self explanatory then that person is in the fire because he's doing all of this for the wrong reasons he's not doing this to please allah subhanahu wa ta'ala i wanted to give you the example of someone like sayyidina uthman ibn affan you know we talk about sayyidina uthman right Uh, the the third khalifa of islam the son-in-law of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam not only was he the son-in-law of did he have the honor of marrying one daughter he is the only man in human history who had the honor of marrying two daughters of a prophet not only a prophet the noblest of all prophets and the greatest of all prophets the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when one daughter of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed away he was married to another daughter of the prophet alaihi salatu wasallam she also passed away so this is said Uthman ibn Affan he is known as what what is his his title al ghani right the rich what's another one dhu nurain right the possessor of the two lights dhu nurain means the possessor of the two lights and those two lights were the two daughters of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also what was he known for his haya his modesty and people seem to think it was just about his outer modesty Sayyidina Uthman Abdul Rahman ibn Hazm rahimahullah ta'ala he states that Sayyidina Uthman was so modest in his speech that when he would talk we would have to take our ears close to his mouth to hear what he was saying so internally he was modest too there was a, there was a man during his there was a, he, during his khilafa he's walking through the town the marketplace and he sees a young boy and this young boy is dressed in rags he's literally the signs from him are that he has absolutely nothing so sayyidina uthman takes that child and takes that child to the uh, the cloth merchants and he buys the most expensive of clothes and then he asks someone to sew it right into that child's size and he asked them to sew a a a pocket inside a, a hidden pocket and in that hidden pocket he places 5000 dinars and he puts them inside then he gives that garment this expensive garment 
This child has never seen such a garment in his life. And he gives it to that child. And he said, go home. Give it to your family. Give it to your father. Make sure they see this gift that you've been given. So he excitedly runs home. And he goes home to his family who were starving. Who were poorer than poor. Who were living beneath the lines of poverty. And he goes and gives it to them. And he said, this man in, in the marketplace, he gave this to me. And he said, tell my parents to examine it. And when they examined it, out came the 5,000 dinars that were meant for them. They asked the child, who was that man? What was his name? And the child said, I asked him his name, but he wouldn't tell me. This is haya. This is modesty. Not only was he uh, outwardly modest, not only was he, uh, uh, you know, his outer modesty protected, but he was inwardly modest too. And, and this was always an attractive feature. You know the Quraysh, even in the times of Jahiliyyah, and I'll finish with this, the Quraysh, even in the times of Jahiliyyah, the days of ignorance, prior to Islam, prior to the Prophet ﷺ declaring his nubuwa, they would love Uthman. They, was, they would sing lullabies to their children. Uthman. That I, I love you. They would sing lullabies to their children when they were going to sleep. I love you for the sake of the Rahman, the most merciful. Just like the love that the Quraysh had for, has for Uthman. People loved him because that is an attractive quality. That modesty. And this is something that the Prophet ﷺ had himself in abundance. He wasn't only modest in appearance. He was the richest of people, but he, would, he wouldn't dress like he was the richest of people, said Uthman al-Ghani. Whenever the, whenever the Prophet ﷺ asked for funds, he was the first to give. He was the last to give. He continued to give. But he would never raise his voice at somebody else. He would never abuse somebody else. And this is why when you, when you read about the, the fadail of Uthman ibn Affan, you'll find this, that everybody, when they would talk about Sayyidina Uthman, he was never aggressive. Never. Never in his life was he aggressive. In fact, the, the Tabi'in state, that never was Uthman, Uthman ever aggressive except when he was on the battlefield. And that's it. Never did we see any signs of aggression from him except upon the battlefield. So it's important that we internalize this. Looking, being modest in this heat, covering yourself is one thing, that's noble, but your inner struggle should also reflect that. Internally, lowering your gaze, ensuring that when we speak to people, we speak to them kindly, ensuring that when we converse with people, we converse with them the way we would like to be conversed with. Not showing off. This applies to both men and women. Not showing off what you have. Ensuring that you give thanks. Your gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're here today. We're in air-conditioned homes and air-conditioned cars. With fans all around us. In, in a 30 degree heat. And then we have those of our brothers and sisters. Who are in 50 degree heat. 60 degree heat. They have no fans. They have no air conditioning. Be grateful for what you have. Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what you have. Don't complain. This is also a part of being modest. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me anu tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran and the noble sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.
آخر الدعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين